It's June already. And it's a rough season for our Mariners. Or is it? They're doing better than they were this time last year. And they finally ended the playoff streak. Drought. Not even a streak. A streak would be successful. But yes. Jordan Youngs will be joining us to talk about the Mariners. And uh, in his words, a deconstruction of the Mariners. I'm Tim Kelly. And this is Courts and Fields. Oh, making their triumphant return back to Courts and Fields. It is our good friend and big Mariners fan and big Mariners, um, I mean, I wouldn't say hater, but it's a love-hate relationship with this team. Jordan Young's. Uh, thanks, man. It's always great to come on CNF. Um, here, so I will tell you, and I teased this last time, from my undisclosed location here in Texas, <laughs> I, I drove a undisclosed amount of time to Arlington, and I saw our Mariners in person. Um, it was unfortunately the game that Mariners Nation turned their back on the team, the 16-6 the, the loss. The breaking, the breaking point. point. And every season has one, and I am so intrigued by it. I, I just want to bathe in it, man, because you know me. I'm the narrative guy, and I like getting into the fan base psychology and the group think stuff. So I'm super ex- excited for this episode. And I believe you called this deconstructing the Mariners. <clears throat> Yeah, you know, we're going to dive deep into this Mariners mess that we seem to be in right now. And we're going to go into Mariner Nation psychology. Wow. I got some stats. I told you before the podcast recording started, I got about a dozen different windows open on my computer right now. <laughs> uh, baseball reference, fan graphs. We're going to dig deep, man. And are we going to share a bunch of narratives? Because you love narratives. I love them. I love him. And my boy Larry Stone came through just like I thought he would on on Saturday with the big editorial piece about the Mariners underperforming. You know, we are building this foundation of a team on hopes and prayers and how disappointed he is in the Mariners this season. So uh, yeah, man, it's, it's exciting. It's a, it's a, I love this time of year. I really do. <laughs> The the uh, first week of June, uh, or the start yeah. of the second week of June. Now, I will read you something right now. Okay. The Mariners, I mean, starting this off, currently are 30 and 31, which actually, I mean, now I'm doing the, well, actually, last year at one point they were 29 and 39. So really, they could lose the next seven games, eight games, and be better than they were <laughs> at this time last year and they made the playoffs last year so hmm jordan it's very interesting so you take four or five games and we win them and we're what we're sitting here at whatever 30 i can't do the math, 30 34 and 27 okay let's say we're 34 and 27 are we getting the articles from larry stone are we getting the people bashing Ryan Divish on Twitter? Are we getting 
the YouTube comments on these Mariners podcasters saying, oh, you guys are just a bunch of bandwagoners. Like, you always support the team. Like, they suck. I'll never support them again. Like, I feel like there is always this race at the beginning of a new baseball season for somebody to be like, yeah, they suck. I hate the Mariners. Like, I'll never <laughs> watch them again. They're not my team anymore. Now, now Tim, I will admit – as a fan, I do it myself because you and I, I was texting you when I was at the game in Arlington. I was like, man, this, this team sucks. It's like, wow, another home run, another home run. Like we were rooting for the Texas Rangers home runs late in the game. Cause we just wanted to see the fireworks. Like we had the kids with us and they're like, yeah, we want to see fireworks. So every deep fly ball was like, yeah, come on, get out, get out. Oh yeah. I went over the fence. Woo. So um, we, we get to the, this point where we, we can't wait as a Mariners fan to just throw in the towel and just be like, I'm done with this team. Like, yep, they, they've, they've burned me one too many times and I'm done. So, but you just laid it out yourself, man. I mean, from compared to last year at this point, they are actually better, but it's like, what is the win total that Mariners fans would prefer for them to not jump off into the deep end and turn their back on the team. Like what, what's the point? And that's what intrigues me. So it's like average team, you get a couple of bad losses on the road in Texas. I mean, they got swept by Texas. Two of those losses were blowout losses. And that was the catalyst for Mariners nation to say, you know, you start seeing the Jerry DePoto memes, you start getting the fire Scott service talk. But if we were four or five wins better, you know, you take a couple of those games where the bullpen blew it late or whatever, you know, some games where we couldn't quite push a run across, like, it's a completely different story. So, like, why? let me ask you, Tim, since you, you know, you've, you've worked with the Mariners and all that, like, why, why do you think we're at the point now where Mariners Nation is basically had enough with this team? Well... Yeah, I mean, I, uh, I, when I w- was at 710 ESPN Seattle, I uh, worked on pretty much every broadcast from the 2010 season. Uh, brutal seasons. Brutal season. Oh, man, those were rough. Oh, yeah. I, I mean, that honestly, it took me years to recover as a person. Fans. I remember talking to you during that time. Like it, it wrecked you like as a fan. Yeah, it did. I mean, it, it really was like, I mean, it was probably, I mean, I'm not even joking, like getting, I mean, I've always followed the team, but like I, the last two years, I have probably watched more baseball than I had the previous decade. Wow. You know, I'm talking 2021 since, you know, pretty much. 2011 to 2020, I didn't watch much baseball. Even like the COVID year when we didn't have anything else really going on in sports, didn't really watch the Mariners play. Um, so, all that being said, how how did we get here? You know, it, it's it's funny. I mean, you went from generational players that carried over all the way until about 2004, and then you just never. You never had that drafting or scouting acumen that you had or, you know, the trade deals that you had from, you know, 1987, they drafted Griffey. Uh, Mm -hmm. Was it 80? I think 80, 
oh boy, when did they sign Edgar? They signed Edgar even earlier than that. You know what I mean? So like yeah. 80, you know, but, but let, let's go with, you know, Griffey, you trade for Randy Johnson, you draft Alex Rodriguez. You have all these things happening. Trade for Jay Buhner. You have all those things happen in a five-year span, pretty much six-year span from 87 to 93 when they drafted A-Rod. And then you just kind of started going cold. And you just, I mean, okay, I mean, you can't take Julio out because Julio made it. But from when A-Rod came up until um, uh, till Julio came up, who was in, in that span? Who was the, the best Mariners player that they developed and actually played for the team? Because, sure, Adam Jones, Sin Chu Chu, and his Drupal Cabrera all were all stars, but those guys maybe had 500 at bats combined for the Mariners. But who was somebody that actually contributed to the Mariners, the best position player in that time frame? Well, I mean, the only name that really comes up. To me, is like Felix Hernandez, but I mean, yeah. pitcher. And that's a pitcher, right? So if you're gonna go hitters, Jose Lopez. Yeah, Kyle Seager. Kyle, Se- well, don't even get me started with Kyle Seager. You know I know. <laughs> no, no, no. But yeah, you know, you're you're right. I mean, that sorry, that is that is a great one. I mean, you have Kyle Seager, you have Jose Lopez, but like all the other good ones, Jose Cruz Jr. They got a half a season. They're like, let's trade him to Toronto in '97. You know, you you had. Um, I mean, the other guys that you had, you know, you had Betancourt come through and he didn't do much and, you know, just, yep. you had, I mean, just think about it. You drafted Clement, you drafted, uh, Ackley, you drafted, uh, boy, I mean, I'm just, you know, all these players that they drafted, they traded for smoke. They traded for, uh, Jesus Montero. I mean, these were all supposed to be good offensive players and right uh, you know, and so you just you just lost your way on that stuff. Yeah. So from from what I am gathering from you, Tim, <clears throat> there was such a long period, you know, basically what you said, 2004 onward, like the Mariners were so bad for so many years. They missed on so many prospects. They missed on so many guys they traded for. And so now you know, we've kind of righted the ship a little bit these last two seasons with the 90 win seasons and the playoffs last year. Like, would you say then that because of that long stretch of terrible baseball and just nothing to look forward to later in the season, that Mariners are just kind of on edge, are super sensitive about going back to that point because I feel like they've basically turned a corner with this franchise to now that it's like we will not accept anything less than a 90-plus win season and being in playoff contention. Well, I mean, it's tough, right? I mean, I think I think the problem is – the problem with being under 500 – and granted, there's 101 games left as of this recording. The problem is you had back-to-back 90-win seasons. You finally ended the playoff drought. If you drop back to being a high 70s or a low 80s win team this season, last year is going to be the mirage. Yeah. You know, and that and that's what you have to fight. And to your point, you can have a good season and win 86 games and miss the playoffs. 
Well, yeah, I mean, they missed them when they won 90. Yeah, they, they missed them when they won 90. And they were like, if you looked at the expanded playoffs, there are years, I mean, shoot, they missed the playoffs with 93 wins. And what was it, uh, 02 or 03? I forget which, which one of those years. Both those years, they, you know, had 90 wins and they missed yeah. the playoffs in both those years. Yeah, that was the the really good Oakland years where Oakland was just winning every game, it seemed. Yeah. I remember, yeah. Yeah. Giambi, Tejada, and then you had Zito, Mulder, and Hudson. Yeah, I mean, you know how it is. But oh, yeah. it's, just, it's just double. Let's, let's, I mean, I'll do, a, I'll, I'll do a cross-sport reference. I mean, look at the Seahawks. You and I have talked on this podcast about the Seahawks nailed drafts from 2010 to 2012 with Carol and Schneider. And then from 2013 to pretty much 2021, mm-hmm. eh, you know, there was obviously you, you get your lockets, you get your, um, you know, you get your uh, Metcalfs, but, you know, it's yeah. not really until the last two years. And well, this year, well, this draft class we need to figure out still. But, I mean, the last two years they seem like, oh, wow, they're finally nailing these drafts again. Right. So, I mean, Mariners missed on a ton of players. And it's just like I, I, I just think we're, we're at a point now. So, I mean, are you trying to allude to the fact that, like, DePoto and company, like, missed on some of these players and that's why – like we are where we are this season. <laughs> no, I, I think the problem is DePoto and Hollander messed up this year by not supplementing the players with not supplementing the young, cheap, controlled talent they have by filling the holes with free agents, you know, and saying, we're going to sit this out. Now, granted, yes, they traded for Castillo and he signed a huge contract, right? Yes. But and they gave Julio a huge contract. But, I mean, you made the playoffs last year on the back of a 21-year-old play. I mean, like, you, you're you the person that you expected the most out of on your uh, – that wasn't on your pitching staff was a 21-year-old rookie. That's insane. Right. That's right. insane. And you have a lot of people that, you know, the last two years – I saw some guy on Twitter, right, the worst place to see people – but uh, he, he, he had something that said, you know, he took like the last 20, he took the last two free agent classes, the big money free agents. And it was like, it was like, uh, you know, um, they, uh, there were like 24 guys that got big contracts and he like said if they were a bust or not. And, uh, you know, one of them he had was like, you know, like, Trey Turner's having a bad year, right? He's like, well, he, he's a bust. But, like, last year you would have said Marcus Simeon was a bust. And Marcus Simeon this year is, like, the best player valued over by war in baseball. Like, he's literally, you know, season ends today, he's probably the MVP. And, you know, they were like, oh, uh, you know, uh, the Xander Bogarts is a bust. He had a 1.6 war. Like, he'd be a five-win, you know, war uh, wins above replacement. He's a five-win player. You don't have a – like Julio was a five-win player, you know. I think he was a six-win player last year. So you'd have almost a guy who's having a close to – not quite close to Julio season, but like being a f- four-win player above replacement, you are an all-star starter. 
you know, or right. an all-star. You know, so it's just like, I don't know. I think there's a lot of justifications that people make of like, oh, you shouldn't spend money. But, you know, if you spend money and you give guys a four-year deal, five-year deal, and they suck after the five years, well, by the time your young players are due big money, those guys will be off the books. Right. And, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty because – they didn't have to go out and get any of these like 10 year, $300 million contract players. Right. I mean, they could have went and got some of these average players. Cause I mean, like we would take a WRC plus player who's hitting one or whatever, 100, 105 or whatever, Yeah, you know? Um, so, you know, they didn't have to break the bank. So, but what I want to do is I want to play a little bit of like devil's advocate. Maybe oh, yeah. I'm not going to necessarily support Depoto because like, I feel like it, it kind of is his fault. I mean, for the on, on field pro, product in a way, and we'll, we'll get into this a little bit later. Cause I, I mean, or maybe now, because yeah. when you're talking about blaming, I mean, like wh- why is it always like, we blame the manager. We blame yeah. the general manager. Like these players are making millions of dollars. And so like you look at a guy like Teoscar Hernandez. Yeah. Like, so why are we getting on DePoto for making that move? Is it really DePoto's fault for going out and getting a guy who was 129 WRC plus last season, a guy that was 132 WRC plus in 2021 a guy that was 142 WRC plus in 2020 and uh, a 2.5 war guy last year, 4.3 war guy in 21. And what do you got from Teoscar this year? He's 96 WRC plus he's 0.4 war. And so he's like a shell of himself. It's like, who could ever project like the fall off that Teoscar would have not to mention the 33% strikeout rate, which is amongst the highest of his career with the exception of his like first few years in the league, but he was a 28.4% strikeout guy in 2022, 24.9 in 21. So it's like, is that really DePoto's fault? Like how, how could anybody expect the fall off and the high strikeouts from, from Teoscar Hernandez? And then I got one more for you. Um, you actually gave me this little nugget that Uh-oh. AJ, AJ Pollock oh, was the most money that in the DePoto area, the era that we have spent on a bat. Yes. Right. And yes. was it 14 million one year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's either eleven or fourteen. I forget which one it is. Yeah, but like, yeah, right, right, right. So, you go get a Pollock, and why did we get a Pollock? Is because we weren't sure if Kelnick was going to work out, right? That's exactly. And yeah. So, AJ Pollock last year versus lefties, my friend, nine three five OPS. Okay. Yes. AJ Pollock this year versus lefties, three eight four. OPS. So like, how do you project that AJ Pollock is suddenly not going to be able to hit left-handers anymore? So it's like, I feel like when these moves were made, most Mariners fans were okay with it. And we could see from the stats from last year and historical stats that like, these are fairly decent players. 
you didn't break the bank to bring in AJ Pollock. It's been an absolute disaster with him. Um, Teoscar, essentially a rental player. You know, I don't think we gave away too much for him. We kind of just needed that little surge in the lineup, but he's also been terrible. And then, you know, obviously don't get me started on Colton Wong, who's been an absolute dumpster fire. So it's like, why why are we the blaming Tapoto and service for these guys? Shouldn't we put square blame on the players? Yeah, no. Uh, wow. Okay, so there's a, there's a lot. You give me a lot to uh, get there. So Pollock's contract is only $7 million, but if he were to hit all his plate appearance is uh, incentives, it'd be up to $10 million. Okay. So, but yeah, but I mean, that's, he gets an extra uh, half a million for 350, 400, 450, 500, and 550, which obviously he's not going to get. I mean, I guess he has a shot at 350 plate appearances uh, or 400, I guess. I mean, that's 100 games. But anyway, uh, yeah, but it's still the biggest free agent bat they've signed. Um, And then also just wanted to say, like we mentioned earlier, war, in case people don't know, if you had a team of replacement level players, they'd win like, I can't remember what it is. It's like 66, you know, they'd be like 66 and 96 or, you know, some record where they would be, uh, you know, they wouldn't be a good team, but that's a team full of replacement players. So if you have a five war, you're improving that ceiling to 71. Uh, right. But, and then you're talking about our WRC plus that's runs created, uh, which mm-hmm. obviously is a, you know, a pretty telling stat when you play 162 games, if one player is getting over a hundred, that's a pretty good, uh, that's a pretty good, uh, number there for somebody. So anyway, right. the players, uh, you know, it's the hardest part of being a general manager, I think, and this isn't to defend DePoto or anyone. It's when you throw people the money, are they going to still have the motivation to play like they have? Are their skills going to atrophy? You know, it's like anything. I mean, what did, what did Moneyball teach us besides war we were talking about? Uh, that, you know, baseball players' primes are at 27 years old. Yeah. So when you're signing a Pollock who is 35 years old, when you're signing or trading for a Colton Wong who's 32 years old, technically those guys are five and eight years past their prime, respectfully. Uh, you know, so it's a – if you're going to be getting bats, you should be getting guys that are, you know, not on the wrong side of 30 unless they have a, you know – a long line of production, but even then you don't want to sign somebody 33 to a, you know, $25 million a year contract, but some places guys just aren't good fits. I mean, we, we, we talk about the Marine layer in Seattle and how guys can't hit here. Well, Aaron judge looked fine against the Mariners a couple weeks ago or last, I guess it was just last week. Wasn't it? Yeah. You know, and, and granted, okay. So that's Aaron judge. It's the best player in baseball. But, I mean, there have been guys who have hit well here. Um, Nelson Cruz, uh, yeah. Robinson Cano. Now, granted, both at times have been popped for roids. So maybe they're not the best. Excuse me, PEDs. I shouldn't call them roids. Uh, <laughs> but, but you know, it, it's, I mean, the uh, quote-unquote steroid era of baseball. You know, 2000, 2001, 2002, 2003, the Mariners didn't have trouble scoring runs at Safeco. 
Yeah. I mean, but so you talk about the, the 30 year old mark, but like yeah. Gino Suarez bucked the trend last year. I mean, he was over 30 and I mean, granted he had his best season last year that he's had since 2019 uh, when he hit 236, hit 31 homers. Um, but like, can you project like these steep drop-offs in the numbers to where it's borderline you can't even play these players in the field because they're not even close to their numbers that they just hit a season ago. It's just like you can't uh, – A.J. Pollock is is not – I mean, we're only putting him in once a, or twice a week, you know? Yeah. Um, so, it's just, I feel like everything that could have gone wrong for this Mariners team has – and even the starting pitching, like you, you weren't expecting to go down and get like a Bryce Miller as early as they had to do it. They wanted to get, um, was it Easton? Who Easton? Uh, who's that guy? Easton McGee or something like that? Oh, no, that's Remember? the pitcher. You're thinking of Cooper Hummel. No, 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 no. I, I am oh, thinking sorry. of the pitcher. Yeah, yeah, McGee. Sorry, McGee. Yeah, e- yeah. Easton McGee. So, like. You know, he we had to go down and get him, and he had, he had a great start, but now he's on the the disabled list. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, like, I feel like not only are we underperforming on the hitting side, but um, kind of all these injuries now with the starting pitching. Marco is down. You know, we're we're relying on Bryce Miller basically to give us quality starts. He's a young player who's barely had any time in Triple A. And now it's Wu who got knocked around in Texas. That uh, did he just start with for uh, the other day, or has he come around for a second start? No, no, he has not yet. No. Okay, so I mean we're gonna have to see. But look, man, when they're young players, this is what you expect. Like they're going to struggle. Like Julio Rodriguez, like he struggled out of the gate this year. Like that is what you see in young players, and it's how they get through it and how they're able to turn things around that makes them the superstar. But, you know, we didn't see a huge slowdown from Julio last year. We saw it this year. And now we got – we're basically relying on these two guys in the starting rotation now, Bryce Miller and Wu, to kind of fill that void. I mean, until Marco comes back, Kirby's been knocked around a couple times. Like, I'm not worried long-term about Kirby – he's had a couple of rough outings and I think he's been a little unlucky, but like you couple now, because we're talking about how this Mariners fan base has turned on the team in the last week here. Um, You couple the well below average hitting and the regression with now this struggling starting pitching. um, It's just like a dumpster fire right now, man. And I, it's going to take, I will think, a month where we have to win 18 or 19 wins to like turn Mariners nation around and get us back to be legitimate playoff contenders, similar to what we did last year when we just like went on a tear, I think it was in July or August or something like that. So um, I just think in the last week, it's just been one thing after another. And, you know, these big blowout losses where, our young pitcher gets knocked around and we obviously don't have the offense to compete with that. Cause like, quite frankly, if our starting pitching is giving up four five, six runs in a start, like we're not going to win that game. We just don't have the offensive firepower to get back in it. No. And that, that, that's the, I mean, 
it's it's so it's this weird conundrum, right? Because I think the Mariners finally like Depoto has been great at drafting pitchers. I mean, there's even guys that he drafted that are uh, starting for other teams now. Brandon Williamson's on the Reds. He was in uh, the uh, uh, Winker trade, uh, okay. and he. He's getting, you know, he's made like four or five starts. I mean, they just have guys. They have whatever system they're doing, they're very good at identifying and developing arms. <clears throat> well, now they're finally, it seems like they're starting to do it with bats. They have Harry Ford, but he's an Everett. They have uh, uh, Jonathan Class A. He's in, uh, bumped him up to double A. Um, they've, they've got guys that are young, but. They still have um, a couple years to go. So, like, it's almost like, I mean, it sounds like I'm a a Mariner excuse apologist here. But (laughs) by the time that the the team, I think they're really just two years away from actually having depth. That's their biggest problem. They have zero depth. Yeah, I agree. And I think they're kind of in this window right now where they are – in that competing window, I mean, they've won 90 games the last two seasons. And, I mean, you look at the major league roster. I mean, you're talking about the homegrown talent that's still down there in the in the minors. But, like, let's not forget, like, this is the same DePoto regime that traded for Ty France. And we basically gave up nobody to get him. I mean, we gave up Austin Nola for the Padres, who um, – the Padres had to go out and sign a Gary Sanchez because Austin Nola wasn't hidden and he, they couldn't rely on, on him to be like an everyday catcher. And so like, this is a, a DePoto regime that has gotten good guys, JP Crawford, you know, Suarez, I guess last year, you know, that turned out to be a great move. Yeah. Um, t- this Tay Oscar thing. And I mean, Jared Kelnick, you know, they were able to flip Cano. So it's like, we're so quick to to blame like like Mariners fans and you know what this might be every baseball fan base but it's like who do we point the finger at to blame for this like who needs to pay for this for this mess and like could Depoto and company have done more to bolster this roster for the season yes i do think they they could have did anybody see this huge regression or players just totally not playing to their capabilities. Like, I don't think anybody really saw it coming to this degree. I know that Larry Stone article talked about regression and, and all that stuff. But it's like, really, how much can you account for regression at the beginning of the season? Like, sure, some, but to this degree, I don't think there's any, like, baseball analytic team, um, you know, in the majors that could see something like this coming. Yeah, I think I think the biggest thing is – you look at a guy like you're mentioning Suarez. He had kind of two kind of down years. And then, yeah. and then uh, well, I guess the one was COVID year. So, but, you know, he wasn't, he had some good years and it seemed like he was on the decline. You have, um, you know, I mean, Wong was on the decline last year. Like he kind of thought that, uh, you know, maybe he thought that the problem is, you know, it's it's really the Tay Oscar trade that is just kind of. I mean, it's Julio starting off slow. It's Tay Oscar, it, but it's not it's not being aggressive and filling up the spots. I mean, 
this year's biggest problem is, you know, I've talked about this before, is you thought the best way for a position that just focuses on award given to the best designated hitter each year is named after your legendary, uh, you know, Hall of Famer. It's the Edgar Martinez Award. It's the DH. If any fan base knows the importance of a great designated hitter, it's Seattle. And you just go in with Tommy LaStella, who was washed, Cooper Hummel, who can't even hit in AAA, and you started him on the major league roster, and you just kind of punted on that because you were so concerned with position flexibility. Over, yeah. over having guys that can play. That, yeah, the Hummel thing's a, a head-scratcher because I believe when that move was made and we sent Kyle Lewis to Arizona, wasn't Hummel more or less just like a warm body? Like, it was just like, you know, let's swap these guys who both probably don't have a major league future, quite honestly. Yeah, basically Hummel – I mean, Hummel was kind of like a feel-good, right? Uh, yeah. You know, he's – He's going to be up here. And and mind you, Kyle Lewis has been on the injured list for a long time. He's only gotten 18 at-bats this year. Brutal. Yeah. Former, former rookie of the year, too. Yeah, yeah, he was. But, yeah, Hummel was a designated hitter, left fielder, pinch hitter on his page on um, uh, Baseball Reference, who had 200 career plate appearances. Yeah. Yeah, and the fact that he made the major league roster, that's, that's, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, it's, uh, yeah, it's crazy, man. It's crazy. Um, so, well, let me ask you this, Tim. Like, where, where do we go from here? There's 100 games left. Like, what we know what we know about the Mariners from the one, like, from – the whatever the 62 games 61 games they've played so far they're going to be a team that struggles to score runs i think probably for the majority of the season they're going to be a team that's going to actually have to rely on these young starting pitchers now who quite honestly are going to be inconsistent and like let's not forget like george kirby is a young pitcher logan gilbert is a long as a young pitcher like i've been really impressed by what they've been able to do so far but it's like um, they're going to have some bad outings, you know? So, like, we got our stud, Luis Castillo, in the starting rotation. We do have Munoz back in the bullpen. So, I think as we get through the summer months and we get closer to the trade deadline, I do think Depoto's going to make a move. And I don't think it's a situation where they're, like, a buyer or a seller. Because, like I said, I think they're – competitive window to be like a deep playoff team has opened. And so they're, again, they're looking for guys who have this club control for a few years that they can sign and, you know, hopefully have that exclusive window to negotiate with them to sign a longer term deal. Like they did with, you know, Castillo and um, you know, they got Julio in the long deal, but um, they're going to probably have to deal from their, strength which is pitching like you had mentioned earlier in this episode that they uh know how to develop the pitching and so like who's to say like we couldn't go out to one of these competing teams right now like i don't know like a tampa bay 
and offer up a bullpen arm for a guy with a lot of club control. Like, I mean, they might be desperate enough to get like a Paul Seawald or something like that, or a Munoz. Like, couldn't we dish out one of those guys and probably get a good position player in return? Yeah, you could. I mean, you're not going to want to get rid of a Munoz because he's got such a nice contract the next three years. True. Like, like you know, I mean, it's like six. It's team million. friendly. Yeah, it's very team friendly. And, but I mean, he's also a high risk, high reward player. So I mean, if you could get a very good uh, player, the problem is, you know, I mean, I I think we've hit the nail on the head. I mean, they just don't have the offensive uh, firepower that uh, you know. It's it's all it's all the depth. I mean, as we're recording this, uh, they're signing a former Yankee and. Uh, uh, 70, 76ers. What am I saying here? Yankee and Phillies legend. I'm just, boy, I'm, I'm, I'm he, yes, he played for the Yankees and he played and the NBA too. Uh, DD Gregorius, Gregorius, Gregorius is getting a, uh, signing a contract that he'll get one and a half million dollars if he, um, makes the major leagues. And I mean, he's a, he, he finished, uh, 20th two times in, uh, MVP voting. But, you know, you're you're bringing a guy who is tearing up the Mexican League. You know, he wasn't getting yep. a contract anywhere else. I mean, yeah. you're – I mean, the problem is if you want a prolific bat, you got to give up one of your prolific arms. So do you give True. up – I mean, I'm not saying trade Gilbert, but imagine the bat you could get for a Gilbert or a Kirby, you know? Yeah. Oh man. You know, I mean, you're right. It's like you, you trade good player, you get good player back. Yeah. But like, I'm almost willing to be open to something like that because we've seen that is DePoto and this system's strong suit. Like, you know, Robbie Ray went down, like we could go right down to the minors and get like a Bryce Miller or an Easton McGee who sadly is now on the DL, but um, I mean, we just got guys like that's where we have the depth. And it's like you give up a few of those guys, you give it another couple seasons, like you're going to have more pitchers develop. But we're more than one bat away. Like, well, and I believe DePoto said this... as much today, you know. Oh, yeah. I didn't, I missed what he said today. What, what did he have to yeah, say? Yeah, it was, uh, let me find the comments, but it was, it was with 710 today. He was, uh, it was he invoked the name of uh, your boy Babe Ruth. <laughs> this, this is what he said to my boy. We could acquire Prime Babe Ruth, and it's not going to help us. We're not one player away from fixing this. Okay. Well, yeah. I mean, so they they watch the same baseball that we do. I mean, like they're very aware. I mean, they know they're more they have more intimate knowledge than us Mariners fans do of the team, and so. Uh, they are more than one. I mean, like, the, the major league roster is broken, man. I mean, like, one guy that I would say is probably carrying his weight would be J.P. Crawford with the walks and the on-base and taking that leadoff spot and running with it. You know I love my boy J.P. Oh, yeah. But, I mean, really, outside of him, like, Kelnick has cooled way off. But, again, young player, going to struggle. I mean – 
he's going to go through stretches where he's not getting a lot of hits and he's not getting on base a lot. Plus he's been striking out a lot. Um, Ty France. Okay. He kind of has his moments, but Cal Raleigh, you know, he's, he's all right, I guess. Um, and we talked about already Gino Suarez. Well, he's a catcher too, you know? Yeah. And he spit, he's uh, splitting with Murphy a lot more this year to keep, uh, keep Raleigh fresh. That's true. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, Julio has come on as of late. And so like, basically this is what it comes down to. Like, we are hoping and praying that they are going to have a turnaround this season like they did last year. And like you said, man, at the beginning of this episode, they were worse at this point last year. And so I think everybody is just like the foregone conclusion is that they are not going to turn it around. And like with the Poto's comments today, like we're not going to – it's not going to take one bat or a Babe Ruth to fix this. So he's basically conceding that they're a bad team that is playing well below expectations. And, you know, quite honestly, it's like, what are you really going to mortgage away a lot of your future pieces to try to contend this year? Or do you just well, that's say, the hey, problem. let's just ride, ride this out? Yeah, well, I, and I'm with you. I mean, what really do they have to trade? I mean, Tay Oscar's underperforming, so then you're you're dipping into reserves. And I think that's why you should blast DePoto and Hollander. Uh, Hollinger? Hollinger. No, Hollander. Sorry, Hollinger is a basketball writer. Anyway, mm-hmm. um, you know, it was, a, it was a pretty good free agent, couple good free agent classes the last two years. But I'm looking at, I mean – Guys that are potential free agents, right? Next year, Javier Baez, Joey Votto, who's going to be 40 or is 40. You know, you have Michael Conforto, who they could assign. Cody Bellinger, uh, he's got a mutual team option. I mean, you you have a Josh Bell who has a player option. You could, Pollock, Hernandez. I mean, there's a Reese Hoskins who's going to be an unrestricted free agent. Uh, Jorge Soler. Got a player option, but you know, you're not. I mean, these guys are like I said, I mean, a lot of these guys are in their late 30s or yeah. you know, mid, mid to late 30s. I mean, Adam Frazier will be a free agent, Colton Wong's a free agent, uh, Jesse Winker, CJ Cron. I mean, th- this isn't the class that you're getting excited about, you know? Yeah. That's why I do think they're going to have to do something where it's going to be a player that people don't necessarily think is available and, you know, DePoto and, and Hollander can find those guys, the guys with a little bit of more club control. And, you know, we're, I mean, we're going to give up a, a good pitching prospect, man. I, I mean, to, to get one of those guys to fill the void, but um, you know, it, it's not, it, it's not a situation where like next year you're just like, Hey, you know, sign this guy, sign that guy. Cause like you said, all these guys are pushing 40, and, um, you know, even if you spend the money, like watching the Padres, like is Juan Soto um, fulfilling his expectations with the Padres is Manny Machado. Like I saw those guys as numbers like they, they the Padres have the biggest payroll in baseball, I believe, this season. And they have a worse record than the Mariners. Yeah. 
Well, Juan Soto was his get-right game yesterday, going five for five, right? <laughs> yeah, he tore us up. You know. But, no, you're not wrong. And I, I just think, like, you got to uh, – I mean, I'm thinking about the 2001 Mariners, right? And it's like you look at you look at how they acquired – you know, I mean, they didn't run that team out there with a lot of guys that they drafted. I mean, really, Carlos Guillen, no, he wasn't even. He was in a trade for Randy Johnson. So you had Olerud, who was a free agent the year prior. Brett Boone, who you brought in on a one-year deal originally, if I remember correctly. Dan Wilson, who you traded for when he was young. Um, you know, Mike Cameron, who was in the Griffey trade. You signed Ichiro as a free agent. You know, Edgar obviously was a homegrown player. You know, uh, the pitching staff, Moyer was a free agent. Um, you know, Garcia. Freddie Garcia came in the Randy Johnson trade. Aaron Seeley was a free agent. It, but it's, you know, I mean, but it's a different, it was a different game 20 years ago, too. You could do that a lot without the homegrown talent. But in that era, who was winning the title? the New York Yankees. And you think of the, you know, the quote unquote core four for the Yankees. It was uh, Jeter, Posada, Mariano Rivera, and Bernie right. Williams, right? Or Yeah. Or, you know, Pettit's in that group too. Anyways, those five guys I named, they were, uh, <coughs> they were all signed by the, you know, they were all Yankees prospects, you know, guys that were, drafted or signed by the Yankees and those were their best players. Man. Yeah, why is it like were the Mariners able to hit on all those guys back in 2001 and then it feels like in this day and age we bring guys in and they just like automatically suck. I don't know. I mean, I guess it's just different people, <laughs> right? I mean, Gillick, I mean, Woody Woodward and Pat Gillick were decent at uh Signing players, Woodward terrible at building a bullpen. Gillick was even good at getting a bullpen, but yeah. And I mean, I think too. Um, I think a lot of things now. Uh, the A's were just starting the Moneyball trend. The book wasn't even out yet. Now everybody kind of has similar philosophies when it comes to that stuff. So maybe those bargain values, like. Like a Brett Boone getting a one-year deal and having an MVP season. Maybe it was performance enhancers, uh, but, I mean, he had one, <laughs> one of the greatest. I mean, that year he should have been MVP over each row. That's a little bit of a controversial take maybe, but, I mean, if you go by war, he should have uh, he should have been MVP, you know. Man, yeah, you know, you just think back to just all those games where you could just rely on a Brett Boone homer or, you know, whatever, an Olerud double, Olerud homer. Yeah. It's just like the, it, the the Mariners roster has just changed so much to now it's like – Oh, the game, the game in general though, right? Yeah, everywhere, yeah, for sure. And it's just, I mean, like you watch – I was watching the the Padres game and you know they won this game but man this like they the Mariners had struck out 8 times through 5 innings. So it's just the the alarming rate at which these strikeouts are going up uh year after year is just bizarre to me cuz even the bad Mariners teams from this stretch that you had mentioned earlier in this episode like they weren't striking out this much. So it's just like has the pitching gotten more dominant or it's just like 
you know, what, what, what is the deal here? And you know what, like the Mariners, I looked the other day, like they don't even lead the league in strikeout rates. Uh, I believe it's the twins that do Mariners are like the third worst with strikeout rate, but there's a couple teams ahead of us. Well, and it's, I mean, so that, that gets to another thing we've kind of danced around, you know, you, I mean, you mentioned the strikeout rate earlier. It's, it's how they're treating or teaching guys how to hit the ball. And it's just crazy to me, you know, like, I guess I'm not the, I'm not the smartest baseball mind, but I, I feel like if a guy can uh, get, um, you know, it, the point, I, I know you need to score runs, but like, why don't you just pass the ball or, or pass the ball, hit, hit the ball and get yeah. on base. You know, I don't know what passing the ball I'm talking about here. Now I'm going back. I guess I really want to talk basketball with you today, Jordan. But, you know, you hit the ball, you get on base, you draw a walk, you get on base. I mean, I know I sound right. like, a, wow, the, the New York Yankees have won the 19-whatever World Series. I beat the St. Louis Cardinals. They were two of eight baseball teams. But, you know, uh, you, you just have these. I mean, at some point, going this lunch angle and – you know, it's either going to be a hit, a strikeout, or a walk. Why, why not go the other way? Bring back some small ball. You know, oh, exactly. Or- I mean, you get a runner on base, you can move him over with a fielder's choice or a sack fly. I mean, it's just like get a guy on base one way or another so then we can start hitting the ball and moving him around. But, yeah, it's like you don't even give yourself a chance when when you strike out. So, it's just it's just hard to watch, man. So, I, I'm going to make a bold prediction here just like from – the Poto's comments today, like, I think they know that they're in trouble this season. I think the regression is just too much to overcome because I think while they can still improve from what we've seen earlier this season, I don't think it's going to be enough to catch any one of these front runners in the AL wildcard. So I'm willing to bet, like, we'll probably still be right around a 500 team. I think by the time, the the season ends and it might be a little interesting say early or mid-september like oh mariners are five or six games out of the wild card you know they need to string together some wins but i think this is your 2023 seattle mariners man i really do and i think uh there's going to have to be a lot of conversations at the end of this season about how we're going to fill out this 2024 roster to kind of get back to that 90 win mark so i have a a, a, my thought on that i mean i i think you also run to a team that's kind of um i don't want to say cheap an ownership group that's cheap i mean but if you had guys that or if you had an ownership group that was like okay let's you know our payroll's still pretty low let's throw some money at this I, I just wonder how much things would change. You know what I mean? Like how, how different this year would have been if you would have, you know, gotten the okay to sign. I mean, granted, Xander Bogart signed with the, the Padres. And I mean, hard, it would be hard not to live in uh, San Diego over pretty much anywhere in the country, right? But, right. Uh, you know, maybe the Mariners overpay and you get Xander Bogarts for – however long i think he got a ridiculously long deal but anyways you're gonna have to overpay maybe overpay for some guys that uh you know got a two or a three-year deal overpay for those guys so that when you get the depth that's 
you know, hopefully coming, you can then phase those guys out. Right. Yeah. I mean, like, I, I'm not going to knock DePoto for not signing the 10-year, $300 million yeah. guys, right? You know? Yeah. But th- like you said, there are average or above average players that we could today install into this lineup and that we would be better. Um, but I, I do, again, I blame DePoto a little bit for not having depth coming into this season, but I don't think anybody saw the regression coming because, uh, you know, the the Teoscar Hernandez thing and the Pollock thing and then, like, the Colton Wong thing. I know we've talked about it a lot on this podcast, and I know you weren't a fan of it. I was, I was actually kind of excited about it, but even if, like, Colton Wong – is just a little bit worse than he was last year. I would take that version of Colton Wong, but the version of Colton Wong you have now is not even playable. Yeah, and yeah, so I don't they, even know so why nobody's still saw, on the roster. Yeah, I mean they're going to have to DFA him at some point, I would think. I mean they sent Haggerty um, down, you know. I yeah, mean. yeah. I mean they're probably just keeping Wong in there as just kind of like a late inning replacement for defense or some, or maybe they just don't want to put. Caballero out there against righties and lefties. I don't know, but um, you know, at some point it's like you can't fault DePoto and Hollander for the steep regression. Sure, like could have they seen some regression coming? Yes, and like a little bit of regression from 2022 to 2023 would have been fine, but at the level of where you're not even a competent Major League Baseball player anymore, like, I think it just happened to one too many players this year. It burned us. You take it on the chin, and you move on. Well, and also, you're not factoring in the situation of our good friend Julio, who is in his only his second year, so there's the old sophomore slump potential. Yeah, of course. Know. He's going to go through some some – trials and tribulations as he's still trying to figure out being a a major league baseball player. And every, every young player goes through it, man. You know, all, all the studs like Griffey went through it, everybody. So I guess the big question is what do you do, Jordan? If you were uh, magically Jerry DePoto, I mean, you and I have spent enough time complaining about things. You know, I'm not saying you're a complainer. I'm a complainer. Uh, What would you do differently? Or what would you do? Not differently. Let me rephrase that. What would you do to correct this wrong? Well, so are you talking about like, what would I do to try to save the season? Or just like, what would I do moving forward? Well, what would you try and save this season? Because I'll tell you this. I, uh, I mean, unless, I mean, they're not winning the one run games like they have. They're um, not... You know, there's just it's just a different year, right? It's a different year. You're not winning the one run games, and you're already ten games out of the uh, division. Yeah, lead right now behind. You know, last year we're talking about the teams. Teams are better. The Rangers are better than they were last year, and the Orioles are better than they were last year, and everybody else that's ahead of you was kind of right around you that time too. So there are better teams now. So what would you do? Well, I would base, 
I, I still think there's an opportunity for us to acquire some foundational players around the trade deadline because we saw that they were able to do that last year with Luis Castillo, who not only helped us last year, but then now is going to help us for years to come. So I think there's going to be an opportunity where they're going to be able to find one of these guys that has a little bit of club control. Um, I think you can bring in maybe one or two bats this year and just see how it goes. Like, um, I think DePoto is basically saying the right things to the media, like basically acknowledging that there's a big problem. And so people aren't going to get their hopes up about this year. People are going to be mad. Like I thought we, we had the bad weekend in Texas where basically, you know, the fans yeah. are throwing up their arms and saying, Hey, well, you know, this is good old Mariners, you know, broke my heart again, screw them. And so, um, you, you write out this season, you try to get a couple of guys. Um, but I mean, like the season is what it is. Like it, it's not something that can be totally fixed like 180 by making a couple moves. And so again, you just got to grit and bear it this season. And then next year, I mean, you have to really take a deep look at who you have. Like is Kelnick the guy of the future? We got to figure out this second base issue. Suarez honestly might not even be with the team again next year. Um, you know, you could see if you want to trade Ty France. Like, I, I mean, I don't think there's anybody off the table with the exception of like our, our pitchers and like Julio and, you know, probably Cal Raleigh, you're not moving, but no. man, like, I think you could um, do a major overhaul, but you know, depoto has been with the team now for, you know, however many years, seven or eight seasons. And so like now is the time where we're trying to see like the fruits of his labor and we're expecting to continue to have that success that we built on in 2021 and 2022. So like this year is a massive failure. Again, how much of that is Depoto's fault? Some, I don't think all, and I don't think the the players should be able to have no accountability and, play so poorly but you know to answer your question what should they do they really need to go after the big acquisition like they did last year like a Luis Castillo but it has to be a foundational position player and a guys that can hit like you, you look at some of these guys that have like on base percentages closer to 400 percent you know like these are yeah. the guys like contact hitters that we need to go find like a like a new bar from the Cardinals you know dude's always on base you need well, somebody like that. We don't necessarily need a slugger. We need a guy that can hit gaps, put the ball in play, draw walks, and, like, we just need more of that instead of these um, close to 30% strikeout percentage guys. I, I would have loved to have seen them go after uh, Luis Arez last offseason. Oh, man, you know? yeah. That would be great. <laughs> you know, you get a guy. But, yeah, I mean – it's tough, right? Because, well, do you think they're going to re-sign Tay Oscar? Or do you think not he's ch- going to be like, not I don't like Huh? No, there's no way Tay Oscar's on this okay. team next year. So they, and they, they might probably, even flip him at the deadline, actually. If you can, but I mean, I don't know what you, you – you hope he heats up, you yeah. know. But if he heats up, maybe you're winning and you decide not to flip him. But, yeah, I mean, you got to make that decision. Sometimes you got to – no one to hold them, no one to fold them, right? Something like that. But – uh yeah, I, I, uh, I boy, I, I don't know because it, it is tough, right? Because you mentioned an, another interesting name, Ty France. I mean, if you yeah. could get some 
I mean, again, you, it, it's like we always talk about. You're, you're big on this. You know, you, you, you challenge me more on this than anybody else I know. Yeah, get rid of this coach. Okay, well, who are you going to replace him with, right? Right, right? right. So it's like Ty France. It's like, well, maybe we could trade Ty France, which I don't think is a terrible, crazy idea. He's yeah. very cheap, but, you know, uh, Ty France is uh, – I don't know if I said this to you. I, mean, I said this to somebody else. Ty France is like a poor man's Olerud, right? Not not with the glove, but with, like, the stick, right? Yeah. And you say, okay – well, he'd be a good fifth hitter on the team, but I mean, he's been the, the well, the last two years, probably the second best hitter after Julio, but you know, like the last right. couple of years, he's been overall the best hitter or second best hitter. Like you need to have three better bats than him, two or three better bats than him in the lineup. Totally. Yeah. Totally. And you had brought up a point earlier about Marcus Simeon mashing and like, why does Marcus Simeon work now? It's because he's protected by Corey Seager. And so it's like, you, you take a Ty France and you try to flip him to a contender and you put him in front of, uh, you know, one of these sluggers, like you could see a much better version of Ty France because like right now, who's France protected by Teoscar, Gino, like nobody's afraid to go after because they don't they're not scared of who's after him yeah you're not you are not wrong on all of that it's just it's just crazy and you know they've shown they can draft draft pitchers well there there are you know they have three of like the top 30 draft picks i think it is 33 draft picks they got like 22 and 29 and i can't remember the other one so they can get some guys coming up here quickly. They have some good bats in the system, but you know, it also, it is a process that does take time because DePoto, you know, last year and the year before were really when the DePoto guys started making the team and he didn't take over until 20 or he took over in 20 for the 2016 season. So it took almost four or five years before his guys started showing up. Right. So how do you think the rest of this year plays out? And then what do, what do you think they're going to do exactly? Well, I mean, it's the Mariners. No, I'm just kidding. That's, that's, just a, <laughs> that's just a negative line. No, I mean, I don't know. I mean, the, the one thing we're not talking about either is the schedule is different. You know, so you don't get to beat up on uh, the – Astros, Astros. Hold on, the yeah. boy. I'm all over the place. The A's. Uh, yeah. Jordan, I gotta apologize. I do not know what you know. <laughs> I, I, I just am like, I swear, I'm I'm doing fine, but I think my synapses are all firing. You only get to beat up the A's 13 times <clears throat> right. this year, and you also, um, you know, the AL East instead of, you know, uh. Tampa having to face New York, Toronto, and Boston 20 times, you know, or 60 times total, they only face those teams, you know, 39, 40 times total this year. So, you know, that's an extra, you know, uh, uh, against each other. I mean, that's a the division. They're not going to cannibalize themselves, right? And I look at the Mariners, and they're uh, five and a half games out of a wild card spot right now. So, you know, but you're there five and a half spots. Well, Houston's got that wild card spot. Houston has had terrible luck this year, injury wise, 
right? I yeah. Mean, p- pitchers have got, I mean, your Quaidy's been hurt most of the year. Um, I think, let's see here. Yeah, Framber Valdez has been fine. Your Quaidy uh, has only made six starts. Luis Garcia only made six starts this year. And then, you know, uh, Altuve has been only played 12 games so far this year. Their big free agent acquisition, Jose Abreu, finally hit a home run last, you know, the beginning of this month, like last week. But, I mean, he went yeah. two months without – I mean, he's got a 534 on base percentage, and they're still – Still winning. Still five and a half games. And yeah. if you look at the Mariners' schedule, this, this is the scary part for the Mariners. Uh, and I'm getting, this is a long-winded answer to your question, and I'm sure <laughs> – uh, you know, people are probably tired of me uh, talking about this. But, like, you look at the end of the year. Uh, so they play September. The, the month of September for them, they end August playing Kansas City and Oakland, which is very generous, right? You're like, oh, sweet. Yeah. sweet. Bottom feeders. Awesome. You start off September at the Mets. Then you go to at Cincinnati, which that's a fun team right now. They're at, They're adding players. They're calling up the young kids, but you know, do that. Then you go to Tampa for four games. Then you go, then you host the angels for three, the Dodgers for three. Then you go to Oakland for three, your last 10 games, three at Texas, three against Houston, four against Texas. I mean, like that's, that's a brutal month down the stretch. Yeah, yeah, dude. I mean, like the last three years, what is it like? Houston's beaten up on us. Like, I still think Houston has our number, and now you add the Rangers to that. Like, we're not beating yeah. the Rangers, man. Like, if we we're we're gonna be lucky to get like two or three wins off the Rangers this year, to be honest with you. They're they're so good that every time, dude. I mean, I was sitting there with my brother-in-law, and we're just like, Marcus Simeon, Corey Seager, every single time, hard hit ball. It just never failed. Like every at bat, like ten at bats between the two of them, hard hit every time. So I, mean, I saw firsthand, man. Like we're we're not beating the rain. I mean, we we will probably lose every series against the Rangers that we play for the rest of the year. Likely the same with Houston, unless there's some miraculous turnaround. But like you were just mentioning with that schedule, like you know, I, I think the only reason we're still 500 right now is because what we're Seven and zero against Oakland. Uh, ten and zero against Oakland and Colorado. So there you go. And I mean, it, if you want to go more, those are two bottom feeder teams. You St. Louis, who they took two or three from. So then you're twelve and one against last place teams in their division. So we we can beat the bottom feeders. Yeah, uh, we just have not shown um, any any way to hang with these teams that are over 500, which is alarming because the Mariners team last year could hang with anybody. And if they could just keep it close, you know, they could bring in Brash and Munoz and Seawald to close it out. And that's why, you know, they'd have those one run wins. I mean, so it is, you know, Munoz back. I mean, he looked really good against San Diego, but uh, man, you know, it's just taking a turn for the worst with this offense. And I honestly don't think even if they play a little bit better, it's going to be enough because you're going to have to have some stellar pitching 
from your young pitchers um, to keep them in games. And it's just, man, I just looking forward and all those teams that you had just mentioned, like, I, I don't know how you could really project this team being much better than like a 500 ball club by the end of the year. Yeah. And, but you, and, but you have an ownership group too, that won't want to, uh, you know, they don't want to wave the white flag this early, either, you know, so then you're just gonna, you know, I mean, sometimes you gotta be aggressive and just make some trades, you know, and it, it might not, it might not feel like the right thing, but like you are, sorry, what I meant to say was to catch Houston and to catch Texas, you're literally hoping Alvarez and Tucker and Simeon and Seeger all get hurt. Yeah. Well, and you know, like a lot of these guys, a lot of these teams like that are doing well in the AL, like some of them are going to fall off too. You know, it's like, these guys aren't going to be good all year, but it's like, I think we can confidently say that like the Rangers are going to be in it by the end of the season in the AL West, like Houston will probably be there, the Yankees, but like, you know, some of these guys that are still in the mix for that last wild card spot in the American league, like they, they won't be there, you know, teams, teams go in slumps and then they just kind of like can't recover. And so like, you know, if the Mariners can play like 500 ball maybe here through June and July and then have like a hot August, maybe like, could they kind of make it interesting going into September? Sure. But um, the the ownership group in DePoto, they're not going to wave the white flag, but I think what you're going to see is not necessarily like a traditional like buyer and seller thing. I think we can make a move with a contender to give them what they need and they can give us what we need. And it's kind of like a win-win and, you know, we're not, it's not like a rental player type situation, which, you know, like Teoscar is this year or whatever. And yeah, I mean, like, I'd be fine if they uh, tried to flip Teoscar, you know, for somebody because I, DePoto's done well in trades. Like the, the Teoscar trade was, you know, highly lauded by, Mariners fans like they they love that trade and just like the fact that it hasn't worked out I don't think it's Depoto's fault so I do have faith in Depoto that he will find somebody here at the deadline it's not going to be somebody that's going to fix the problem this year but I think it's going to be somebody that adds depth for years to come and then will hopefully augment you know what's coming up through the minor league system yeah and uh, the the biggest thing and you kind of Kind of touch on you. You said this without saying this, so maybe I'm projecting on you now. Just, but like, you aren't going to. Um, each season is not the same. Each season is different. You know, yeah, and and you got, uh, you know, you're not going to be able to. I think the Mariners' biggest problem was after last season. I don't think this roster is much better than the roster they ended with at the end of October last year. No, no. In fact, it's worse. So you have that, you know, and, yeah. you know, I, I, I think the biggest thing is uh, I, I look at it like uh, kind of near you in an undisclosed Texas location. <laughs> when uh, Jimmy Johnson <laughs> took over the Cowboys, you know, he acquired a lot of picks, but he was also famous for paying his offensive players and letting the defensive players walk. Because he says the defensive players are younger and hungry, you know, hungrier. So he knew what what's uh, which people to keep. Well, the Mariners don't seem to know how to draft pitchers. So why not trade some of your pitching depth for hitting depth? 
and they will. I think they're going to do that. They know how to develop these these pitchers most definitely, and I think that's what's led to the 90-win seasons. As It's largely been the pitching with kind of a below-average offense, really. And so, But, but then yeah. you don't want to get rid of, like, you don't want to get rid of Kirby. You don't want to get rid of Gilbert. You don't want to get rid of uh, um, Miller, it seems, you know. They might have to, man. Yeah, you might. I mean, then, I mean, uh, trust me, man. To, to see a Kirby or um, uh, Gilbert get traded away, that that will sting. But like, we got to look at this. Like, there's other arms coming up the system. I mean, imagine the haul you could get for like a Logan Gilbert with all that club control or a Kirby. I think you could get a pretty big haul, man. And uh, you know. Like Easton McGee is going to come off of injury at some point. Like Ray will come back eventually. And, um, you know, hopefully Bryce Miller turns into what everybody thinks he's going to be. But, I mean, they're deep in pitching. But it's going to take somebody that's going to sting when we let go of them to get, I think, what we need to compete for years to come. Because the Rangers are not going to get worse. Houston's always going to be there. Anaheim's better than us this year, whatever their name is. And so, and then obviously <laughs> once uh, Oakland gets to Vegas, um, you know, they're going to start, they're going to want to start competing. So it's like the, it, it, it's getting kind of late for the Mariners if they really want to make this thing happen and uh, finally bring home this World Series to Seattle. They're gonna have to. They're gonna have to do some pretty high impact moves. But is that the goal to bring a World Series to Seattle? I mean, that is the question. Do does ownership and management want to do it? I'm sure they would say that they do. But I mean, you know, man, it's like it's running a business. It's they're not gonna pay out these high price contracts if it jeopardizes their profit. And so how can you how can you get to the World Series without signing, you know, high price free agents? So like that's the question. So it's Depoto's gotta go out and find the guys with the club control that we can get that exclusive negotiating window to sign them long term. And that's just gonna be the formula. But then you know you see articles from Ryan Divish or he talks about it on Twitter about how uh Depoto's regime has rubbed players and agents the wrong way so it's like we're already kind of behind the eight ball and trying to get people to come to seattle it's not it's not an attractive destination man if you're a hitter like why would you want to come hit in seattle ball doesn't carry the you don't have any protection in the lineup like what what's the offer yeah i mean the good pitching but like you're you're not coming to a star-studded lineup like the yankees or like tampa bay has so, do you remember the last time the Mariners – Mariners have done a couple of trades where they traded uh, – well, actually, one, they traded a hitter, Tyler O'Neill, for Marco Gonzalez, and I guess that worked out pretty well. But remember the last time they traded a major league pitcher for a hitter was uh, Pineda for Jesus Montero. <laughs> oh, that's right, yeah. You know. I just didn't really work out for either ball club, though, right? No, Pineda was always – I mean, Pineda had a good year, 
Like they were like, oh my gosh. And then that first year, and then he was just never the same. Montero never really figured it out for Seattle. Yeah, no, not at all. He threw an ice cream sandwich at a scout, which is one of the funniest stories Ah. I've heard. Uh, And that was in the Jack Z uh, era, right? Yes, sir. Oh man, uh, he, I I I don't think most Mariners fans know like it's incalculable the damage that he caused on this organization as a whole and how far he set us back. Truly a dark period in Mariners history. Oh man, him and him and Bavesi, it was like the back to back, man. Back to you know, back. That 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 just set us back decades. So it's like <laughs> you know having Depoto come in here and think he can fix it in seven eight years, like. You know, to get them back to where they are now, it's like, you know, revamp the farm system and actually got us to the playoffs last year. I mean, like, that's saying something considering all the damage that was done. Yeah. Yeah, it is. So, all right. Well, then let me ask you this. You know, maybe final thoughts or if you want to keep going, we can keep going. We can do this all night. No, but uh, where, like, when do you think the next time the Mariners make the playoffs then? I mean, are we this – are we both this doom and gloom? No. I think this year you kind of just say, hey, things didn't break our way this year. They'll be back next year, man. I think I so. Think so. I, because with the pitching, it's just with the pitching, I think they can do what they need to do in the offseason. Like, I think DePoto and Hollander and all the brass with the Mariners saw it this year. Like, we got to go get some bats. We got to find a way to do it. We got the pitching now. Like, now's our time. I think they'll be back next year, man. I, they're not going to make it this year. But I still think they're in that window of competition and quite possibly, like, a World Series window if, if things break right. Because, like, Julio becoming an all-star, superstar, um, I, I, I think they're going to do what they need to do in the offseason. I think they're hearing it loud and clear with – that basically everything blowing up this last weekend in Texas. And so um, I, I, it's not all doom and gloom. This year was just kind of an odd year with the steep player regression, who I think you have to blame the players mostly. But we'll he'll be back next year. And, I mean, Suarez was never really thought to be the big piece that he, you know, it was weaker and Suarez was the throw-in in, the, in that yeah. period, You know, and – there's yeah i i mean you, you gotta maybe re-evaluate how you do well and you know i think cincinnati was willing to get rid of suarez because the version of suarez is now that we're seeing this year was basically his last two years in cincinnati so they're just like fine you can have him you know we don't he, yeah. he had a lot of productive years but he's not what it used to be and so like somehow he's able to resurrect it and so like I guess there was that risk that Suarez could regress to be old Suarez. And, you know, unfortunately you had not only him, but a number of players that decided to regress to career worst this year. Yeah. I, I I'm with you. I think, I, I, I think it's, you want to give yourself a shot to be close and that's what they're doing. I mean, is it a fool's errand for us to expect ownership who you can say it's new ownership. It's the same. It's the same people. It's just the people that were 
in the back seat are now in the front seat with the Mariners. You know what I mean? The, yeah. The people who had smaller shares now have higher shares of the Mariners. So, I mean, are they fundamentally going to change their philosophy? No, I don't think so. And, you know, I mean, they took over the city, but it's kind of something I've said, and I think I've said it to you. You got to be uh, the a little worried just kind of how the Kraken took over the city by storm this year. Yeah. I mean, they're going to be cutting into uh Mariner market share most definitely. Um, you know, it, it's good. Basically the Mariners are kind of like the old team in town, right. You know, and yep. they're, like we talked about this on the last episode that like, whatever people in their forties, fifties, sixties are probably going to always watch the Mariners. Like, that's what we did in the nineties. Right. You know, it's like, Hey, let's watch Griffey hit. Let's turn on the game, whatever. And like, you just have the game on or whatever. And people go out and get their garlic fries a few times a year and go out to Safeco or whatever it's called now. But um, yeah, I mean, Sounders cracking. I know uh, we were texting about uh, the inevitability of NBA returning to yep. Seattle and which that that's going to be, Unless they just totally suck, because I mean, like nobody went to Sonics games when they they left town. But um, yeah. but that I was think, a, I think that, that was a calculated yeah. decision, right? True. There. It's yeah. like basically what the A's are doing in Oakland. Yeah, right exactly. Now. It was the same. Yeah, yeah. yeah if you yeah, don't give so, a, yeah. But uh, you know what? Like, if the Mariners go on another like twenty year playoff drought, like, I, could you see like a Mariners team like once their lease at T-Mobile Park or Safeco or whatever is up, like, could they be a team that relocates? It's like the the city doesn't want them anymore. I think you'd have to have severe attendance issues. I mean, Seattle, I don't think so, just based on the fact. I mean, there's not really any attractive markets to go to. True. You know, I mean, obviously Oakland is proving that they're not that, so that if they go to Vegas, so then you're, I mean, it's always – you know, I mean, I don't think it could be Austin. Yeah, that's true. That I, know, I, mean, no, a city I know nothing about. Yeah, that's right. true. Yeah, that, well, you've yeah. never been there, have you? Oh, hey, I don't know. I the uh, it could be the undisclosed Mariners. Yeah. For all we know, I I don't know. I feel like one of the last times I saw you it was in Austin, Texas, but I don't know. Hey, I could be, I could know, be was, it, was it me? It could have been somebody else. That looks like you. You know, there, there's there's something they tell you when you're in witness protection. They tell you not to go on podcasts. Uh, and, I see. Uh, I, I apologize. <laughs> producer, but, producer Stormy yeah. sleeping next to her. I mean, working the ones and twos. She, uh, <laughs> she'll, she'll cut that out, those locations. But yeah. <laughs> Uh, but no but yeah you know there there are places but yeah i just think it's i don't think it'll ever get that way because i mean even when the mariners are bad they still get like on a summer night they're still gonna get 10 15 000 people yeah i mean they draw man i mean with the exception of like those weeknight games like if you know whatever oakland's in town and tampa bay you know they're not gonna draw anybody but you know um, and again, as we've talked about before, Seattle's a different area or the Seattle area is a different area than the one that we grew up going to games in. 
you know. A lot more like, uh, you know, white collar growing up, you know, packing into the kingdom and all that stuff. Yeah. There's a lot of, yeah, a lot more. Even blue collar. It's a lot more white collar. Blue, blue yeah, I meant, I meant blue I, collar. I, I know what you meant. For you. I was like, yeah, yeah white collar criminals. Wait, no, those are the people that do like uh, bank, you know, lie about their mortgages. Yeah, no, I know, I know what you meant. Yeah, I, so much more blue collar growing up, you know, yeah. you pay your whatever, $6 to get into the kingdom or whatever, go to hat night or bat night, whatever it was. So, oh yeah, we got producer Stormy and I have a uh, Mariner's bat somewhere uh, from bat night at the back of the kingdom. Hey man, you were like one of the first like 5,000 fans to get in. I, I could never get there early enough to get a bat. I don't know how I got there early enough because... At that point, before I was able to drive myself to games, we weren't the, the Kelly family wasn't the most timely at getting to things. I'm not taking a shot, uh, and we'll have to see if uh, Brian Kelly listens this far in. Um, but yeah, I'd like to know, like, what time you guys would leave to get to a Mariners game? <laughs> I don't know because I have one. I have I have the old M and the black bat that has that old M's logo. You know, that just says M's on it. And I was an idiot, and I used it in little league. And I'm like, why wasn't my coaches like, why are you using that promotional bat, you dummy? But, so this was like a full size bat, like not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I used it little. I mean, I was Jordan. I am a terrible baseball player. I don't think there's. I'm trying to think of a sport I was worth. I was terrible at football because I couldn't do push-ups in seventh grade. So I was just one and done then. Uh, like, let's be honest. I don't think I could still do push-ups, but um, they're hard. They're, they're very hard. Um, you know, I gotta. You know, all you uh, people with short arms and barrel chest. Yeah, that's real hard. Yeah, go half an inch. But look, that's, <laughs> you know. But anyways, uh, yeah, no, I was terrible at baseball. Yeah, that's interesting that you use the uh, the Mariners promotional bat. Um, I mean, man, I, I, it might be like a collector's item now. I don't know. Yeah, it's kind of beat up. You know. Hey, you know what I got at the uh, Rangers game on Saturday? What'd you get? Got a uh, Corey Seager bobblehead. Wow. Yeah. You know, it's kind of funny. We didn't get there in time. Like, you know, I, I'm in an undisclosed location. So, I mean, it takes some time yeah, yeah. to travel to Arlington. And, like, we literally got there, got to our seats, started singing the national anthem, like, bam, play ball. So, we weren't the first ones to get the bobbleheads or whatever, but – we all had our M's jerseys on and we were walking out in the parking lot and some lady was like, Hey, did you guys get a bobblehead? And we're like, no, we didn't. And she's like, here, you know, we got four of them, you know, take ours. She's like, we're from Seattle. So, you know, we, you know, we root for the Mariners and all that stuff. So yeah, there, there's some nice people in and around the, the Rangers stadium. I've I've heard that Rangers fans are not that bad. They're not, man. They're not. And when I went to the game last year, like, they, the Rangers fans probably thought we were super obnoxious because the Mariners came back 5-2. to two. They were down 5-2 in the top of the ninth, and they came back and won that game. And we were, like, cheering. And there was, like, uh, a row of Rangers fans right behind us just, like, not saying a word. We're, like, standing up. We're, like, the only ones just going, yeah. That's when I yelled to uh, oh, JP. after. Yeah, when he scored from first, I was like, let's go, JP. And he, like, kind of turned his head, you know, like, he's like, man, like, I barely made it. And so, and that's why JP's my favorite player. Because so. he listened. Uh, um, how did your, you said you took your kids to the game, yeah? 
Yeah, my uh, my two undisclosed children. I took <laughs> to the game. Um, how did yeah, they, you know? How, how did your, wait, so wait. <laughs> the, if they're undisclosed children, what exactly does that mean? They, they we don't uh, know they exist. Yeah, something like that. They okay. may not but have children. They enjoy I took the game. Yeah, um, yeah. We uh, we did a little uh, kind of a splurge. They have like a thing there that's kind of like the Hit It Here Cafe. You sit out in dead center, oh, and wow. you basically um, buy tickets in multiples of four, and you all get to you know eat. There's a table that has four chairs. And each ticket has like a $25 food and beverage credit. And there's a dedicated server to your row. And oh, so cool. you just order food and they bring it out to you. And like uh, the undisclosed children, if there were any, <laughs> could walk up and down the aisles. They were not confined to one. I, like, I think the kids the are time. disclosed now because you're okay. Yeah, never mind. Go on. Go on, go on. <laughs> Theoretically, if we did bring children to that, oh, they see. could yes, walk yes, up yes. and down. Yeah. So they could visit each table and, you know, they were not confined. They could walk around, which they liked. And so, you know, that that's the way to do baseball, man. And so, um, I will say Global Life Field in Arlington is a really nice field. Next time you're down here in Texas, man, like you and I should definitely go catch yeah. a game. I need to get down there because it's been a few years. Uh, let me let me ask you this: If you hypothetically had kids, had they <laughs> had they been to a baseball game, a major league baseball game before? Um. Yes. Uh, oh. no, actually, well, actually, well, hold on. I'm trying to figure out how to answer, answer this. Um, <laughs> my, my hypothetical children had not been to a game before. And so um, this was the first. And so um, we may have had a softball season this year, kind of learning the game and all that stuff. And so it was kind of cool for, for the kids to see that. But uh, yeah, this was their first one. They said they want to go back. And oh, nice. um, yeah, you know, like I said, we got to see tons of fireworks. And yeah, they launch them like right there in center field. So it was like shake the whole place, man. But we got to see a lot of Rangers, homers, and fire fireworks. Wow, that's awesome. And hypothetically, if you were, you know, within like an hour and a half or two hour drive of San Antonio, right? Hypothetically, of course, they're getting uh, <laughs> Victor Wembanyama. So hypothetically, if you had kids, you could take them. <laughs> to a Spurs game to see a, a great young basketball player, hypothetically, of course. True, of course, yeah. No, uh, you know, we could uh, – you know, I can, I can drive anywhere in Texas, right? You know, yeah. I, I, I can get anywhere. So, yeah, maybe maybe not know. El Paso. It takes a while. El Paso would be a while. But, um, yeah, man, you know, I could go up to Mavericks games. I go to Stars games. I could go to Spurs games. Like I said, we went to the uh, Mariners Astros playoff game last year. That was awesome. So uh, there's a lot of opportunities. Wow, that's awesome. Uh, I mean, anything else you want to add, Jordan? Well, um, I just say go Mariners. I'm hoping for a turnaround. I'm hoping for a miracle. But hey, man, I think we're all realists, and uh, you know, it kind of just is what it is this year. Well, I mean. We're going to have you on again to talk Mariners. And then obviously we'll have you on to talk Seahawks as well. But hopefully the next time we talk Mariners, you and I are both just shoveling down Crow. <laughs> I'm hoping so too, man. Thanks again to Jordan Youngs for joining us from his undisclosed location and 
telling us about the baseball game with his undisclosed kids. Yeah, well, anyways, we'll have uh, Jordan on again sometime in the near future to talk about something happier. Like I said, maybe a Mariners winning streak. Maybe some Seahawks training camp. But yes, hopefully things will turn around for the hometown nine. I'm Tim Kelly. This has been Quartz and Fields.